0: Welcome to After the Bell with your host, Laura. This podcast is a series of conversations with educators, leaders, and lifelong learners with the hope of deconstructing some of the stereotypes around education. My objective as a teacher is to focus on the passion, humanity, and hope around education and to provide a platform for the myriad of voices that have something to say and teach us all. If you would like to know more about me, please head to my Instagram page at Laura. Thank you so much for deciding to tune into this episode. It is the 29th of November, 2021. I cannot believe that we are nearly at the end of season two of this podcast. I have a really exciting episode today with Dan Jackson, who was on earlier this year. So if you want to hear his episode, I'll link it into the show notes, because that's really a bigger episode around who he is as an educator and his belief system. This episode is a really exciting one, and it's one where we are promoting his new book, Work Less, Teach More. And it's all about how to be a more effective teacher in the mainly time constraints of this job. And I think that you'll get a good taste of what this book is about. I've read it. I think it's fantastic. And it is out on Tuesday on Amazon, just giving you a bit of an update regarding the podcast. So I have a really lovely episode to end the season with a student that I once taught, in fact, when I began teaching in 2008, she was in year eight, and she is now a colleague of mine, and I would like to end the podcast interview section with that episode in two weeks, and then I'll probably have a roundup. Just reflections, because I think for season three, I'd like to change the tact a little bit of the podcast, perhaps rather than keeping the conversation centered around school, maybe going a bit bigger and looking at what kind of conversations we can have that can inform education and can inform what schools are doing. So that's kind of my thought at the moment, but I will be having a bit of a break in January And we'll keep you informed on Instagram regarding when I come back to the podcast, but it definitely will be in 2022. And if you're listening and you think that you would be an amazing person to have a conversation with me regarding the kind of ideas I'm thinking of in 2022, or you know someone, please reach out to me at educatinglaura on Instagram. I'd love to hear from you. If you would like to support the episode, please share on social media. Again, tag me at educatinglaura and Dan at danjacksontpd on Instagram follow on Apple, subscribe on Spotify. I think that's the right way around. All of those things really, really help. And as I said, do follow me on Instagram because I will be letting you know what's going on regarding the podcast. And, you know, you have my thoughts and ideas and things up there about education as well, which is kind of nice, I think, to supplement the show. Okay, I will see you in two weeks. Hello Dan. How are you? It's so lovely to have you back on the podcast.
1: No, hi Laura. Thank you so much for having me back. I'm excited to be here again.
0: We have a really exciting thing to talk about, which is the launch of your new book, which is coming out on the 30th of November called Work Less, Teach More. And the first thing I'd love to ask you is why did you decide to write this book?
1: Well, at the beginning of this year, I decided that I would send out a survey to all of my teachers who are subscribed to my email list and stuff to find out what their biggest problem is at the moment in education for them, there's COVID around still. And I was expecting them to say stuff around, you know, programming help or help with behavior management. You know, those are the kinds of things I was hoping that they would tell me. Okay. But almost unanimously, they you know, all sudden in chorus of, you know, we are running out of time. Like we're just so busy and that's our biggest problem. And as soon as I started reading it, I'm like, yeah, I know that. Like teachers are always busy. And so I thought, I don't really know what to do about that right now. Like I just kind of saw it, and went, oh, it wasn't what I was after. And I was, I was looking for something in particular at the time, but okay. about a month later, as I was thinking through the results of that survey and what the teachers were saying, I worked out that I actually did have something to say because I, you know, have been a deputy principal running two businesses on the side and still had time to hang out with my kids, be with my family go and have fun, hang out with friends. I could fit all that in. And it was because I was applying a lot of the stuff that I had learned from business books from that I read as I was setting up my businesses. And as I was reading that and applying that, I naturally then applied it into my work as a teacher. Uh, and it was really about focusing on my effectiveness. It had a whole bunch of productivity tips and stuff in it. But by making the shift to effectiveness and not just being busy, it really changed the way that I approached teaching, it would change the way that I approached my students and my role in the school. And it had a huge impact, I think on my whole thing. Cause I'd actually previously left schools. So I, I resigned halfway through, I was burnt out and I was very excited when I had the chance to not need my money and just go, Oh, do you know what? I don't need this job right now and resigning halfway through the year is a big step. I think for most teachers, because they feel like they're letting down their students, Uh, you've had you've already had them for six months for yeah up here with our year 12s i'd already had them for nearly three quarters of their their last year of school and i was leaving them as well with one term to go Mm. that was a problem really but yeah so the survey results that came in saying that was the number one thing and then i worked out i do i can i can speak into this space because i've lived i've applied it and i've actually read lots of research around it i just didn't think of it in that way, and so yeah. when I finally thought about, I like, "Oh, I can do that." In fact, I reckon I could probably write it quite quickly. Uh, so that yeah. was <laughs> that was my well, next. Well, I challenge. think you
0: did write it quite quickly if you got that survey at the start of this year.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely did because I surveyed teachers probably around February, and then it wasn't until late March that I decided that I would look into writing a book. And then I actually signed up for it's basically a challenge. It was a thirty day book writing challenge, and it was how to write your book in 30 days. And you basically just got an email every day that told you what to do that day. Well, I signed up for it pretty quick. I didn't follow it. I let all the 30 day emails come first. Uh, and then <laughs> okay. I went, I saved them all. They were all in a folder. I knew exactly where they were. And so I just went there and pulled them all up when it was time to start. When I decided I was going to do that. And I literally set my alarm for four thirty in the morning and got up every morning for 30 days at four thirty and spent about an hour and a half working on the book and yeah in in 30 days it was i, I definitely had the basic draft going by the end of the 30 mm. days i then went through a bit more of a process of refining that and having people read it and provide me some feedback so that i could adjust it and make sure it wasn't just my ideas that actually would fit into other people's context as well and so i got that feedback adjusted it and The writing of the book I actually found very enjoyable, a lot of fun. I mean, I I enjoy writing anyway uh, and talking about education. So it was just it was great to be able to sit down and just go, oh, these are my ideas and and put them down.
0: (laughs) I must admit, there feels like a lot of you in the book. Like when I first started reading, you're talking about that situation where you resigned ultimately three quarters of the way through a year. I actually was in a way a little bit shocked that that's what you decided to do, because I think so many teachers get themselves into that position. Because I could relate. I could relate to you feeling burnt out, feeling angry, feeling frustrated. I've been in that position and I know that there's lots of other educators that have. But, you know, to take the next step to resign, I think a lot of teachers feel that they don't have that choice. And so to be able to read your book and actually reframe their teaching will keep more teachers hopefully in the profession.
1: It's definitely one of the big goals of the book is to help teachers stay in what for many of them is a career that they are super passionate about. I mean, there are so many teachers around who, when you talk to them, you can just, you can feel the energy that they bring into their classrooms and mm-hmm. into their their students. And they love watching the students, you know, progress and grow. And your students get that aha moment in your classroom. They love it, right? This is kind of what the teachers live for a lot of the time. And, yeah, you know, we see a lot of teachers leave the profession. Lots of them leave really early. They come in and they go, oh, my goodness, mm-hmm. this is crazy. And they leave yeah Uh, i think over the last two years there's probably been more teachers leave with covid coming in lockdowns changing things so frequently between remote teaching blended teaching and then not either of those back in the classroom kind of normal (laughs) teaching yes and yes i think the workload has just gone up massively in the last couple of years and anyone who's been close to retirement age i think has volunteered to have some early retirements and I've seen plenty of people. I've had plenty of chats with teachers who are at the edge, but they feel like they can't leave in this climate. Like that, you know, it's it's COVID. Although here in Australia, for us, a lot of other people have lost jobs, have lost work, have lost a lot of income. Teachers, being one of those lovely essential services, we've always yeah been able to have work. You know, if you've got it, you've then you're you're in it. They felt like they couldn't leave because it's you know, it's that tough time. You don't want to put that extra burden on people. But still, I think a lot of people have. And I think as it settles down afterwards, I think there'll still be plenty that leave. And I want teachers to stay in a career that they're passionate about. I don't don't want them to feel burnt out by a system, burnt out by a particular boss or something that they've got. I want them to stay and enjoy what they're doing, particularly what they do in their classrooms with their students. And yeah, that's what this book is aiming to do. So if they're at the point where they're starting to feel burnt out, this book will really help them to shrink back that workload, reduce their busyness and start to really focus on some of the effective things that they can do, which will still maintain their impact with their students, but it allows them to reduce their workload quite a lot Mm. so that they can then apply stuff and balance their life. And you look after their health, teachers, when we get busy, life just goes crazy. If you're starting to miss out on sleep and you're relying on caffeine and you're eating junk food all the time, you know, I think every teacher these days has a drawer on their oh, desk that's just that's yeah. just junk food. And yeah.
0: mine's peanut M Ms. That's a sign thing. that you
1: are being overworked. I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I want to yeah I want to help teachers to avoid that, and for those who aren't there yet, for those who are not feeling burnt out yet, I want them to avoid that. And I think utilizing the stuff that's in this book will help set up systems for them and approaches for them, which will really help them to avoid getting to that point where they're feeling burnt out by a system that's designed in many countries, to take advantage of the people who choose to be teachers.
0: Now, so you've just mentioned the fact that you're hoping that your demographic is both new teachers, experienced teachers, burnt-out teachers. So what is it in this book that you think will allow anyone, whether they're burnt-out or enthusiastic, to actually be more effective?
1: Part of what the book's aim is that, yes, the book has got a lot of you know tips and strategies and easy-to-apply type stuff in there. And, you know, I've I've particularly made the first couple of chapters uh, give you those kind of quick wins that that you want as a teacher to really quickly just see some quality improvement with very little thinking and process. But once you hit Chapter 3 of the book and you're looking at what really matters, and I think it's actually the the crux of the book is is coming in that Chapter 3, where you are thinking through what your purpose is with your life, in essence, what you actually want to achieve as a teacher but also as a family member as a you know you can be a parent you can be involved in community activities all kinds of stuff and so what i'm really trying to do in the book is to lay out more of a framework process Mm -hmm. that teachers can use and that it's actually adaptable in that, as you go through it because so much of it keeps coming back to that chapter three and chapter three is really personal and i don't think any two teachers will come out with the same i mean it talks about creating a mission statement right um But if teachers create mission statements, they're not going to create identical ones. They're going to be different. But the rest of the book really just hinges back on that and goes, right, if you're looking to be effective, then you should be looking to really focus on the things that matter most to you and who you want to be and the impact you want to have, whether that be on your students, on your colleagues, on your family, on your children, on on your friends. We all have this broader sphere of life. And when you think about trying to be effective, you can't isolate one from the other you've got to really balance all of them out and think about being purposeful in every area of your life. And so by creating this framework, it allows a new teacher who has just graduated to come out and go, you know, I'm going to read this book and to think about where they want to go. And that'll change over time, but it gives them a start of, you know, this is, this is where I want to head as an educator, as a person. And to do that, I've got to set up these kinds of barriers. I've got to, think about how I actually use my time and you know, I can then do that for someone who's a very experienced teacher and come in and go hey I want you to think about what are your goals at the moment where do you want to be what kind of person do you want to be and then that should then impact them and then I've got the next steps for them to as they think through how to not just set goals and have these you know lofty dreams of who you want to be and what you want to do and who you want to have impacts on but to actually set up a process that then allows you to go okay that's what that's my goals, and now I've got to build the road really, really to get there. And how to stick to that? How to stay focused on what you see as really important, and not get, not allow other things and other people to cause major distractions from that.
0: So, I mean, I see at the moment so many people coming to speak out as educators about the human first element, and this sounds very much like that because most teachers and educators, when they first come in, they identify as a teacher. Like that's almost the first thing when you speak to people, when you introduce yourself to people, you say, I'm a teacher and that identifies you in such a strong way. And to be able to integrate the human element into teaching, I think is very, very important. Do you think this is something that should be done with graduate teachers in that, almost in that first year to to create that purpose behind you're not just here to fill all the boxes to get your job back to write your resumes we have you know a vit process here that's quite extensive where you have mentors and things and everything is focused on you being at school and working at school and teaching at school and then doing everything else you possibly can to keep your job so how can we you know you're laughing because it's true this is this is just the life that we lead yeah and and
1: it's a system that's set up to take advantage of teachers you know and
0: then i think too Sorry, I think too that then people feel like, well, I did that. And so that's just how it is. And then we almost perpetuate that cycle. So, for a grad teacher, what are the kinds of things, like really pointed things, that you can suggest to them now to be thinking about?
1: I think the number one thing that a grad teacher needs to do is to say no to all those extra things that schools say, oh, come and get involved in this, get involved in this. It'll look good on your resume. You know, it'll help you to keep your job. But it also sets you up to be a teacher who will give everything to the school first. And ultimately, you are going to struggle to be an effective teacher if you are giving everything to the school. You will start to feel resentment. You'll get burnt out. You could even get into chronic fatigue mode. And no teacher is functioning at their best when there's things like a lack of sleep or when they're functioning on junk food or when they're not actually able to focus in class because they're just they're stressed out they've got too much on and you know if you're staying up till 11 o'clock or two o'clock in the morning even that is a recipe to really wreck you as a teacher and i know when you're young you think oh that's all right i'm young i can do all this stuff and there's an element you know when you don't have children that you're looking after at home there is an element where you do have a bit more time than those mm. who us who are parents but at the same time i really want to advise them to say no and focus on their teaching first because what happens is you become so spread out you don't actually get to improve or focus on the elements that you really need to focus on to improve your teaching and so it's much more important for them to you know to have the mentors and all that kind of stuff is fantastic but then be encouraging them constantly to go on the duke of ed hikes to be involved in the school musicals, to Get on the committee to look after carnivals and all the extracurricular stuff that's happening at school. Go and help out on band duties and go and be involved in everything else that a school has, which particularly when you're looking at schools these days and the bands of parents, there's <laughs> pretty much mm-hmm. something on every afternoon at schools, yeah. every morning at schools, during lunch times. You know, if you get involved in everything, you don't have a break. Mm. You know, I, was, I was at that point where... I'd said yes to things and even stuff I didn't say yes to that got given to me as part yep, of my role. Which happens, and I got to the point where I I had one lunchtime in a week mm. where I actually was allowed to eat. Yeah. But of course, that then gets filled up with when you're meeting with students to catch up work, or when you're meeting and mentoring other kids for other things, and or maybe you're going to meet up with a teacher to help them with things. And it just you really don't have that break because I was off running lunch groups three days a week. I was. at sports stuff one day a week and i was struggling and you know i remember going to my principal saying you know can i have can this count as my duties you know my lunch duties my playground duties because i've got i've got half the school at some of these groups during the week (laughs) can can that count for me so i don't have to do those duties and i actually you know i can then at least have recess as a break rather than because recess was pretty much always my duties because i was not available at lunch times and he said yeah yeah and then the next thing i knew i had three duties, which was one less than normal, but all of my duties were double the amount of time that anyone else's duties were oh. and so I actually had gone up in the amount of time wow. I was doing, even though I'd gone down in duties. Just, yeah. These are the things that happen to teachers. Yeah. You know, we, we are told constantly and you know, particularly we're told to do it for the kids, you know, we, yeah. we are to do absolutely everything for our students. And yeah, you know, that can involve spending our own money to buy mm-hmm. resources and supplies. You know, there's so many photos of Instagram and videos of oh teachers who have gone and, you know, they're, they're praising themselves because they've gone to Target and spent, you know, half their mm-hmm. wage yep. on the resources to decorate their classrooms or to create projects and craft things for their kids. And you see them all over the place. And I just yep. think, you know, that shouldn't be the case. No. Teachers are allowed to make those sacrifices and you know, that's fine. But if we have a culture of that, where allowing a system to take advantage of teachers yeah. and the system has been set up from the very beginning to take advantage i mean teachers at the very beginning was it was a very much a female system and yeah. the girls you know they were allowed to get married they without being getting approval from the superintendent or whatever of who that guy mm-hmm. that she was going to date was and there was very low wages because at the time yeah, you know, there was huge segregation between yep. men's wages and females and still is and I think because mm. that's where our system has come from it's it's mostly stayed there teachers are generally undervalued even though now yeah you know, we're all at least masters degree level teachers because you've got to have it now to be a teacher and this is you know our culture is not valuing teachers in a lot of the west and mm. it's something that needs to be challenged I think and while the book doesn't set up a lot about challenging that that culture it does focus on what we can do as teachers, what we actually have control of to start making a difference for ourselves. And by setting up those things for the graduates, by saying, no, they're not starting their career being overburdened and struggling Mm -hmm. to get through things. They, if you start off by saying, I'm going to focus on teaching and get that done really well. Most schools will keep you if you are a great teacher and being a great teacher doesn't mean you're involved in everything. It means that you are passionate about your kids. It means that you, put in the effort to come up with great units of work and great lessons and you really focus on and help your students learn because once you start focusing on students learning and not just on teaching content right and you see that great progress in them the schools want to keep you because the number one thing schools are there for is to educate our students Mm. and to grow them up into adults and to be you know these people who are ready to go out into the world to have their jobs, to go to universities, to go to TAFE, to go get trades, to whatever it is that they want to choose to do and the jobs that are going to exist that we don't know about. And we just need to work on, as teachers, focusing on what we were trained to do to start with. And then as you go, once you get that under your belt, which normally Mm -hmm. takes about three years for you to actually have a good grasp of what you're doing in the classroom and being able to manage your students and set up your classroom processes, once you get that done, then start to look at, okay, well, what else can I do now? Because the classroom now is becoming easier. It's less work than it was to start with. And now I can start to go, okay, I'll take a weekend and I'll go and do duke of ed and you know, yeah. give that extra time to the students. I'll volunteer to be the coach in the afternoon for the basketball team or, you know, I'm going to go and get involved in, you know, some kind of mentorship of a particular group of students at my school. I'll get involved in that because I'm passionate about it and I want to be involved. And that's stuff that we as teachers should do and should make room for, but we should be very considerate when we do this about what the commitment is. How much is that going to cost me in terms of the time I'm giving? uh, How much is it going to benefit me or benefit the students as well? We've got to really balance that out. And if you just start going, well, I've got to get involved in everything to keep my job, you're actually going to lose your life and your job is not worth keeping at the expense of your life outside of school.
0: The next question I wanted to ask you was, what in your mind does an effective teacher look like?
1: I mean, I'm not going to focus on the kind of Hattie stuff because there's plenty of that that exists already. But for me, an effective teacher is someone who has identified the aspects of their job, like the roles, responsibilities, etc., that are the most important, and that focus their time and energy into that. And then the rest of their work, so all the extra stuff that either gets lumped on them or that schools choose to create out of culture or just make up their own policies about stuff and even some things that you know legally we have to do you know which really are not things that a teacher necessarily should be doing it's probably the best way to work that so I think an effective teacher focuses on the things that matter most Mm -hmm. and then the other stuff they either kind of like get done the essential bits and then the rest of it they're not so worried about and I think it's hard for teachers to get to that point because culturally schools are set up to kind of fight that but Mm. i think you know i've spoken to plenty of principals and deputies as i've been writing the book and talking to people and a lot of them are actually on board they're like actually you know we need to make these changes across schools like i've had principals that have been like one for example who did the proofreading of the book and they were like let me know when it's ready i'm going to order a whole set from all my teachers And i'm just like that's Wow. That's what we need. Like We need this kind of shift in culture where we actually have schools that start to focus on being effective and mm. not just about what can we possibly get done and showcase to make us look like we're fantastic. You know, we've got 600 things on at the school, you know, that look impressive to parents but in reality it actually means that teachers are being dragged away from some of the core elements yeah. of what they're doing. And I'm not saying that extracurricular stuff isn't important or that schools shouldn't do it, but it should not come at the expense of the, you know, the core things that are at the heart of a school in terms of growing and maturing a student. And I don't see that a school's only function is to just educate them and give them knowledge. That's not, I don't think, (laughs) uh, that, you know, I think it's about growing and maturing students. I think it's about helping them to be prepared for life. I don't care if they come out at the end and know know have memorized Pythagoras or not you know that doesn't bother me I don't care if they understand Hamlet because I if they've read Hamlet I do care Mm. if they've got the skills to be able to read Hamlet you know and to be able to do research or to go and learn something for themselves when they're interested in it but I think effective teachers really focus on those, those core aspects and I think the core aspects will be slightly different for different teachers depending on what their priorities are. Yeah, you know, mm. If your priorities are yeah, religious, right, So you're in a religious school and you particularly want to grow and the students up in that religion, then that might actually be part of what you see as a core element of what you're doing at the school. Whereas at another school, they may have none of that, but the teacher may come in with a different kind of core focus to what they're really passionate about, what they want to achieve in these students. Yeah, and they might see, for example, you know that STEM is super important for these future- kids' futures and they're passionate about it and that's what they're going to focus on, but they're going to do that very well. Mm. They see that as their core elements and they might see a few other things as just this nothing stuff. But I think once a teacher can work out what's really core for them and still get done the stuff that has to get done, it frees them up to enjoy a life while at the same time really having a, great positive impact on the students in their classrooms and outside their classrooms like you all that can happen you talk to teachers like oh yeah I'm involved in this club and I'm involved in that club and I've got after school care here that I've got to help run and you know we do running club on this day that I I like to go and run with the kids and in the mornings I come to school at five o'clock because I'm opening up the gates this week (laughs) yeah Yeah. anything gets added to it and it just we think oh yeah it's just a small thing but, but I how you, you said yes to 20 of those things suddenly That's it's a right. big thing like something you're actually losing 10 to 15 hours a week on these extra things that were just meant to be an hour or 30 minutes here or there and yeah that that ability to think critically about what you're getting involved in and say no as kind of your default i think is super important for teachers yeah. starting out teachers who are more experienced i think they can be a bit more nuanced with that and yeah you know, they still need to say no to things but i think they can work out quite quickly what they need to say no to and what they what they don't need to say no to at various points in time but i think yeah. effective teachers are focusing on the things that really matter for their students mm. for them the things they're passionate about their goals their missions and then the other stuff gets done that's that's legal they're not necessarily yeah. ticking all the boxes um yeah and i think being effective actually means you don't have to, you know, think in that sense. You know, go, I've got to tick all the boxes, I've yeah. got to make sure I'm meeting all the things that are listed you go No, I've got to focus on this because that's what's going to have the impact I want. And these other things, I'll get done when I can. Or if they mm. don't even need to be done because maybe they're not actually important at all and they're not something that's legally required or going to get you fired, then just don't do them ever. Uh, and it's a big, <laughs> a big yeah. step for teachers to go, Oh my goodness, what I don't have to do that. Like they have whole pros, like, there'll be a teacher that's got this whole process of going through and marking every single workbook and checking whether or not all the words spelled mm-hmm. correctly in oh, the yeah. right. that a long and time like, well, The point of what we're doing is trying to improve their grammar and their spelling. It doesn't mean you have to spend an hour every week no. looking at your kids' books and you know, giving that kind of feedback. I mean, you can, if you want to, but I would definitely look into it in terms of is it actually having the impact you want and how much time yeah. is it consuming? Is there a better way to do that kind of stuff? And if you don't have to do it, like if it's a bit of cultural thing that's just been passed down to you from the last person who did it because it was how they did it, which often happens in schools, and you just go, well, actually, yeah. you know, you'll talk to a deputy and they'll be like, what are you even doing? Like, we don't check that. We don't care. Like, it's great that you've yeah. got its focus and passion for it or whatever, but, you know, let's, let's shift your time to doing that effectively.
0: Yeah. On the back of that, marking, because marking is like the thing that everyone goes on and on about. It's always so much marking, piles of marking. One of the things that I did to be exactly what you just said, more effective, because it actually was much richer learning than me just taking all their tests up and marking them and giving them back, because most students don't look at comments. They don't actually look. They look at their score and that's it. And one little thing that I did was I created a marking scheme. And then for one lesson, I went through the marking scheme with my students and they had their test in front of them and they had to mark it based on what I was looking for and It took so much time off my plate and they would put their hands up. They would ask questions. They would annotate. You know, it was not about getting a score. It was actually about, well, what didn't I know? And then based on that, they would then have to highlight the questions that they didn't know and then they would go and do a bit more further revision on that. It wasn't just a test at the end of the day that was, that's your score. It's, well, this is actually what I don't know. And then it took that further learning and it took so much time away from me Because not only would I have been making that marking scheme, I would have then been marking, you know, 25 plus. But you're right, like it's one simple thing, but I also think to a lot of teachers feel like they have to do it all. Like there's something culturally in education where you feel like if you haven't done all the marking, if you haven't done all your own lesson plans, then that's ineffective and that's not true either.
1: No, it's definitely not. I mean, there's probably a teacher who's way better at doing half of what you just listed there who has done it already and can just give it to yeah. you. And then at least you've, even if you want to use, like you can adapt that you can, like, but to have a basis to go from, like, I, I remember my second year of teaching, I had two new head teachers and they wanted all brand new programs across the entire curriculum that we were teaching. And one of which involved actually writing a curriculum for it as well, because it was a like a school only type subject. But I remember, yeah, I was writing brand new programs for about six different year groups. And I had to write those programs, the workbooks for the students as well, and then teachers' workbooks that had word for word what the teacher would say in the class. What? As they went through and presented that. And I was just like, this is crazy. Like, teachers shouldn't be reading a script in class.
0: No way. I find that being so prescriptive with things, teachers are now going, it's too much. Like, we really do need an opportunity to teach effectively based on our own methods modes specialties
1: yes and kids respond differently like you can have particular teachers characteristics and quirkiness that'll some kids will hate others will love it but it'll be the thing that gets that kid suddenly motivated to enjoy learning and that can then connect them into other things but like even going back to your process that you were using in class getting students to master i think that's fantastic because yes it does help your students massively with their learning when they're the ones looking at the marking criteria, understanding those types of things, looking at the quality of work they've done, matching that up. And they can. They can actually mark. Even if you don't mark have them mark their own, they can mark someone else's. Yeah. If it's something that you're worried about, they're going to add stuff to it or whatever. They're going to be unfair. They can actually do a fairly good job of marking stuff, probably even better than you because they're marking one. <laughs> That's right. right. They're going to mark wine right. and they're going to do a good job. At the same time up. of
0: day, you know, do you find that? Like I'm often more generous at night than I am in the morning, you know, like yep. the same time. Oh, that's right. How many
1: teachers are marking with a glass of wine in their hand in front of Netflix, <laughs> you know, and you just think that's that's what happens. And you know, that type of marking, even if you are marking it yourself, if you're marking it with wine in front of Netflix, it's taking you forever and you're not being very good or consistent with your marking. I can almost Correct. guarantee it. All right. Whereas if yeah. you set aside a half an hour, hour of time and you are, focused and nothing else is distracting you you can get through that marking in less than half the time that you would drinking wine in front of netflix not as enjoyable but still go and drink your wine in front of netflix just don't have your marking with you yeah so you can enjoy the movie
0: that's right that's and i do think there's a lot of that isn't there that that teacher guilt where you know you'll sit down with a pile of marking And you don't want to do it, so you don't do it. And then you feel bad and you haven't even enjoyed the activity that you've been involved in, like, you know, watching the TV show. But I think that's quite entrenched in teaching too, is that guilt that you're not working constantly. And, I mean, you're on social media, you see it all the time. It feels as though, and I know that it's a highlight reel, but it does feel as though people are working around the clock if you're using that as a base, which is not real, but it certainly gives a, a skewed sense of how much people are actually doing in teaching.
1: And I think teachers at the moment, I mean, it's, I think it's been around for a long time, to be honest, but there's this kind of martyr syndrome, like
0: Massive, teachers, yeah.
1: teachers want to be the busiest, like, you know, they have competitions mm. and <laughs> they pretend like they're, I oh, don't, you know, I'm so busy, I can't do this, I can't do this, I don't like it, but they're actually, in essence, boasting about it because they want yeah. to say that they're busier than their friend who's a teacher who's doing this and that as well. Like they're, they're complaining, they're, they're overwhelmed and then someone else is go, Oh, that's nothing. I'm doing this and that. Or you're creating that's that part of that culture of we'll do anything for our for our students. And look at me, look at what I'm giving up for the students mm. that I'm trying to teach. You know, I'm giving up everything. But you could actually get to the point where you give up everything. Like I've seen teachers yeah. whose families fall apart because yeah. the teacher just is working too hard. You know, I'm very thankful that you know, my wife during that period of time when I was really burning out she was saying to me very clearly you know, you are working too much I don't get to see you we've just had a first child and there's days where you don't see him and that's not mm. okay school is not something that you should be missing out on your son's life yeah <laughs> it's just so you can get marking done and so you can get stuff back to the students within a week of it with them submitting it to you because the kids have been asking you for two days oh, when are we going yes. to get our results back? And you're like, well, I've actually got a life outside of school and this is not yeah. my top priority. I'll get it done in time. And, you know, I might meet the school policy because a lot of schools have policies about when things have to be done by. Her. But yeah. you know, I particularly feel like my sister is an English teacher and I think you know, a, a mass teacher is marking stuff. And oh, yeah. you know, I know, you know maths is hard, maths is difficult, whatever, but marking maths is way easier than marking mm. English. And the amount of yes. work involved, like when she talks about marking you know two separate exams for a 120 year cohort because yeah. they have to do two exams for English and you're like yeah you know, that's 4 or 5 pages to 10 15 20 pages for mm-hmm. each of those exams that she's got to mark and she's got to return them within a certain set of time the same no, time that the math teachers have and the math teachers go no. what's your problem and you're like well I'm not just looking at you know I'm not just following through a kid's thought process with five lines of math I'm reading six pages of an essay that's yeah. complex and that has quotes. And I've got to check that they've actually got the quotes, right. Or, you know, yeah. uh, the kid's got poor handwriting. And so it's going to take me three times as long to read it. And it's yeah. just English teachers, history teachers, anyone who's marking extended essay type answers, answers—that's right. they're really under the pump when it comes to, to marking and providing feedback. And I think anything that schools can do to help with that, to give them yeah. time where they don't have a couple of classes so that they can focus and be in that state where they're focused on marking. You know, we're actually sitting down and we're marking and it's gonna get done. If we can set systems up to help our teachers, I think we can really revolutionize schools and get the changes that are needed. And we can start by doing that ourselves. We can really start that revolution as the basic classroom teachers, as, as the head teachers and the deputies, we can make the changes within our schools because, in essence, we are the system. And yeah. if we fight back and change the system, then it changes. You know, it's mm. not all dictated to us. Some of it is, but it's definitely yeah. not all dictated yeah. to us. A lot of it we're coming up with ourselves and then enforcing it on other teachers, I feel, you know, the, those yeah, oh, yeah. And those... That's what
0: I said before, that idea of, you know, you're a grad teacher and that was, it's almost like, well, it happened to me. And therefore you begin perpetuating that for other teachers. You're like, well, I did it. So you should be doing it. I'm interested though, in terms of how you see it happening. So you feel as though we can make small change individually, but what about those negotiations? Like I wanted to kind of talk to you about the negotiation you had with your principal, but in the end it wasn't positive because you ended up getting additional duties, even though you had three instead of four, you still got additional duties. So What do you think some of those negotiations might look like so that admin educators are on the same page?
1: Yeah, I think it's really important for us as teachers. On one level, it's important for us to know what our rights and responsibilities are, uh, to actually know our contracts. So many of us, we sign our contracts and don't actually look at them. But if you read your contracts and stuff and you understand what can be demanded of you, what can't be, and if you have thought through a particular process, your communication becomes a lot more effective with your superiors, particularly if you can actually get them some buy-in. And one of the main things I think, because yeah, I did fail definitely with that, that principal who said that he would and then didn't. And then when I actually went back and I went, actually I was told that I wasn't going to have any. He said, no, no, you've got to do these, which yeah, very much frustrated me at the point in time but Mm. I should have gone back into communication. Instead, I just went, like, I was just cranky and I just went, that's it. Like, the principal said it, that's it, it's done. But in reality, I probably couldn't Which most people
0: would think, yeah.
1: Yeah. And I can can actually come up with solutions myself. You know, I can go, do you know what? I've got these duties. There's too much. Does someone else want to do it? I can ask other teachers what they're willing to give up. Like, can we do a swap on something? And maybe they can do Mm. it. And then I can actually just go and propose it and go, hey, I've organized with this teacher they're gonna do this and i'm gonna do that we're both happy is that all good and principals don't care yeah. <laughs> like unless it's a particular role that that person was hired to do <laughs> you know, yes. they don't care if you swap around your duties three times or if you have organized with someone you know what i'm going to coach the basketball team and that'll be my duty because I'll be, I'll be on hall duty that day and i'll have my basketball kids in there that's fine and then yeah yeah you're doubling up in that that sense and that works and we can come up with those solutions for lots of things. Once we understand yeah. what the school is actually trying to achieve, the schools, yeah, they come up with solutions, but it's one person often who's thought about it for 30 minutes yeah. and gone, this will work, and then put it out and said, everyone do this. But if the teachers come back and say, actually, that's three hours of work, could we do it this way? And it's going to be you know, 20 minutes. Mm. As long as you're achieving the goals, most deputies are not going to be like, oh, no, I really want you to take longer to achieve this yeah. goal. Uh, Yeah, they've been there they've all been the teachers in the classrooms struggling to get on top of everything so most of the time I'm saying there are definitely those deputies and those principals who you know they're in charge they've got the power stick yeah but most of them are not most most principals that I've come across are lovely people who will actually like the way you often feel for your students is often the way principals feel about their staff and Mm -hmm. you know that kind of they'll do anything for them type stuff kind of goes into the principal's mind of I've got to look after my staff. And so if you like, even if you're feeling burnt out, if you actually go to your principal and say, do you know what? I am feeling burnt out. I'm starting to feel sick. Yeah. You know, I'm stressed. I can't sleep. This is my current load that I'm doing. Can you help me find solutions to this? Yeah. You know, is there stuff that I can give to someone else? Is there stuff that we don't actually need to have me doing? doesn't need to be done at all. You, you go through yeah. that process and they will generally say, right, this is where you're at. Let's let's cut it back. Let's look after you because they want you. They don't want yes. you to quit. Yeah. <laughs> that then gives them more work to do. Yeah. But if they can look at it and go, you know what, you're doing these duties, why don't I ask my assistant, my admin assistant to go and do two of those duties for you and then you can take that time to get this other task done so that when you go home you actually can be focused with your kids and not trying to juggle you're marking and report writing while you're trying to get you're also trying to get kids to bed you know (laughs) yeah that's that's the reality of life and so a lot of a lot of principals a lot of deputies that there's this culture of you know the principal or the deputy has said it and therefore that's it Mm. we don't remember that actually they're, they're humans they know they make mistakes sometimes there's other people that come up with better ideas than them and there are some that'll be like no no that was my idea your idea can go away because You know, it's it's a them show. But most of them were just like, oh, that's a better idea. Awesome. Let's use that. Just this one. Can you help write the policy for it? Or can you at least send over an email so that the admin assistant can fix up the policy or something? But we can do that. If we bring the conversation back, if I had gone back to my principal and had that solution, he would have been fine. And I actually had a win with my next principal. So when when I came to Cedar College and I had a principal there who wanted me when I moved into the deputy role, she wanted me to take over uh, the data entry management system that we have in New South Wales for entering students' results and yeah. making sure their admin oh, yeah. stuff is correct. So checking their their living addresses, checking their phone numbers, <laughs> right? All this stuff is in the database.
0: Yeah. Wow. And we have
1: to enter, we have to check. And, yeah. you know, uh, I was just like, that's, it's a huge job. It is a, like it's a very time consuming. Yes. And here I am. Yeah. You've, you've promoted me into this role to, mentor the staff, to yeah. run the professional development, to help them create curriculum that's really detailed. And my main job were to really help the teachers. Yeah. And you wanted me to take a solid five hours-ish a week. Like, yeah. You know, to get huge. This yeah, done. that job's so big. And I'm like, your administrative assistant is trained in data management. Like, that's her thing. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, can we get her to do it? And my principal originally was like, no, I really think that a teacher needs to do it because there's also the balancing of, how many units or you know uh, credits i guess in the the american system as well okay yeah how many are actually your students doing so they actually have the right number so they're qualifying for their hsc and stuff I'm like yeah but i came back to her and just said that's something that i can teach her yeah because it's literally just a mass problem of do they get 10 do they get 12 you know it was something i could spend five hours teaching her and she would then know like she would just and she did i sat there with her she wrote it down i said let's give it a go i convinced my principal I sat down i trained the administrative assistant and she was all over it did a way better job than i did and because she was constantly on like i, I would come back to it because i had other stuff that i saw was yeah. more important and so when i did go well, this is now urgent even though it's not important for me it's urgent and it's a legal requirement so i had to get it done and so i would come to it begrudgingly yes. not do a great job and i want to do something else whereas she was just like well i love data and she's like let me do it and she'd print stuff out kids would sign stuff she would get it back she'd fix up the systems and she did a better job in less time and it costs my principal less to have that task done then because you're no longer paying deputy principal's wage you're paying an administrative assistance wage which is a big difference in a school and so I actually think once schools start to see the financial impact that this kind of a shift can have I think that once one tries it and it works, it'll it'll roll onto a whole bunch because once, once schools see that they can save money with something, it makes a big difference.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. the other thing I was thinking about too when you were talking is the fact that a lot of things culturally are in schools because they think that that's what sells the school. Like all the extracurricular things we were talking about, reporting are in reporting at the moment, and I really wonder how much parents really read the reports and you know i see these teachers and you know what it's like it's report time you know teachers are really this is when the peanut m&ms come out for me and it's all of that and i've tutored for a number of years and so i t- i speak to the parents and the parents find it irritating they think it's too much like we over report you know we're constantly sending them like we've now got these online where you can get information regarding your student or your child and they're constantly getting notifications and they're like i've had enough of this you're sending me too much information. I don't look at it. And it's almost like information fatigue. They don't want to hear anymore. And we think that that makes, means we're doing a great job because we're giving them so much data. But I wonder too, whether or not, just like you're saying about sending out that survey and you actually got information you weren't expecting. I wonder the things that we believe sell the school and and get the money in and get the students in, whether or not they are actually as impactful as we believe they are just like the teaching. Like we believe certain things are impactful, but are they? If we really had an opportunity to consider it.
1: Yeah. And I think that's a big, it's a big thing generally, like as you go into business, right. And now looking at you know, school marketing, basically. Yeah. Yeah. That's a business thing, right. If you are going into your marketing blind, then that's a big problem. Like you, you need to actually survey, you know, I, I would, if I was the principal of a school, Every time a student enrolled at my school, I would be asking the parents and the student, why did you choose to come here? And I would collate all that data. And then I would know these are the things that actually draw the students into the school. And if all the extra stuff that I'm paying lots of money to have, you know, if $10,000 worth of lights in the auditorium weren't part of it, then why have I got $10,000 worth of lights? That's not what's selling the school. And so then I can focus on, well, was that purchase then impactful on their learning yeah yeah you because know, if I bought the IT stuff and it's actually impacting students learning and I've trained teachers in how to use it properly and appropriately and all that kind of stuff it can be fantastic yeah but you can also spend a lot of money and have it sit on the shelf and teachers not use it and yeah. kids get distracted when they use it and then it is a waste of money and so by coming up with all that stuff and yet schools these days too like I look at their software that they've got and you were talking about you know all these emails that go out but I find every school has about three or four different learning management systems yeah. that they use. And I just go, you're paying for a lot of these. Some yes. of them are free, but surely you should look at them and go, do you know what? We're going to use one <laughs> and we're not going to pay for the rest of them. You know, it's, it's simple things that can make a big impact on the schools, makes a big impact on the teachers too. Because if they've constantly been changed from, you know, they've used Canva, they've used Google, they've used Microsoft, you know, which platform are uh, they now getting trained in Yes. so that they are meant to learn. They've only just gotten used to the last one mm. and now we're going to change it to the next one. And that constant changing is really frustrating mm. and ineffective as a school. And there's a whole chapter in the book that's just, yeah, it's titled "Dear yeah, Four School Leaders. It's all about how to shift your school to focus on effectiveness, how to help get teachers on board with where you actually want to go. And it talks in there about how to free teachers up. So that they can focus on you know, the deep work, the the more impactful stuff that they're gonna do for you as teachers and how to save money by not paying teachers' wages and asking teachers. And I think this is what really drives teachers nuts is that you go to uni, you do four, five, six years at university, you do, you know, you might do a one-year postgrad type mentorship process as well in some states, and then you're a teacher and they say, All right, can you please book the bus fill in this spreadsheet totally. send out yeah, so uh, admin. letters to parents and fill in the workplace health and safety inspection and you're like why why <laughs> am i paying <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's just, that, that doesn't make sense to me yeah. and even even our process of promoting teachers mm. if you're a really good classroom teacher i'll promote you to head teacher and, and teacher that means you less classroom yeah. T- teaching yeah and i'm going to give you all this admin work yes. as well which means not even getting to spend that time helping other teachers. That's right. And then if you're good at that, we'll then promote you into deputies where you do less teaching again and then eventually get to a principal where you're you're not teaching, you're not mentoring staff. What you're doing is running a business and doing paperwork and making sure you're paying your rates and yeah. <laughs> you know, chasing up parents' financial records and you're, you're managing a budget and you're doing all that kind of stuff. You might be building buildings. It's not. It's not what you were trained to do. It's not, Mm. and I'm not saying that a teacher shouldn't be in charge of a school. I think teachers should be in charge of the school, but they should be one of maybe a group that are in charge. I I want someone who's actually into business management, you know, to be working with that principal. The principal might make the final decision in the sense of this is what's best for education, but I want someone else making sure we're paying our fees and organising buildings and having meetings with, all the different types of meetings that yeah. go on board meetings this meeting that meeting and you know i want my principal to be able to mentor the deputy to mentor the head teachers they should still be having that impact within their school and you know there's so many schools i've been at where the principal you just never saw them they were yeah. in their office they would yeah. pop out for an assembly make their two-hour speech yeah <laughs> and then go back in and then you don't see them again until and as a teacher you'd see them at staff meetings maybe yeah yeah generally they, they weren't available and they weren't involved in you know what i would say is the, the more core aspects of a school schools yeah. do need to function and that is what they're involved in but they need to i think there needs to be a balance there even because principal if being a principal and having been an acting principal for a while it is very lonely it's very stressful the kind mm-hmm. of stuff that you do deal with throughout the school because All your welfare issues come to you. All of your big behaviour issues come to you. And we know that they are never easy, Mm, right? There's always big stuff behind all that. And they're not allowed to go and, you know, vent with someone. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. It would be very isolating. very very isolated in their roles. And I think if we can reshape schools so they're not, so they actually have support so that they... Because I think principals are one of our most overworked Mm. roles within the school and it's very i think it's very frustrating for them because they're they're not doing what they are passionate about Mm. and as soon as you start to add to teachers the admin work and the things that they are not passionate about that frustrates them that's when they start to complain about busyness and because it's not so much that there's so much work that they can't get anything else done because uh, yeah, the stats actually say that teachers are working about 55-ish hours a week, which is still mm-hmm. 15 more than the 40 that you are paid for. But there's still another, you know, there's 56 hours if you want to do eight hours of sleep a night, and then you have yeah. 57 hours left in a week to do anything else you like with. So even if you're working 55, if you're going to work 57 hours a week or more, yeah. you still have about 50 hours a week that is normal living time that you can do something with. And you know, I know that's going to be, getting dressed, having showers yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the bathroom, cooking food, looking after kids. But yeah, we, there is this issue. Part of the, part of it is that we are being more and more pushed to doing tasks that we're just, and they're not for us. Like yeah. we shouldn't be doing this admin. We want to focus on our teaching and our le- the learning of our students and hanging out with them, developing rapport, giving them feedback, making sure they're learning, watching them grow and develop and being involved in that. That's what we want. That's mm-hmm. what we're trained in. And then you go, all right, now do all this other stuff. You're like, but yeah. that's, yeah, that's about 15 hours at least probably more within the school of the demands in your time, which you then go, well, now I'm frustrated. I don't want to do it. It's going to take me twice as long to do it because I don't want to do it. I'm yeah. not trained in it. So I'm not effective. In yeah. it either like yep. i don't have processes you know, i'm going to send 600 emails and organize a camp i'm not involved like i'm not an event organizer yeah that's a lot easier like for school hires someone who's an event organizer there's probably enough events at a school
0: oh yeah you're right <laughs> that your
1: event organizer be busy save a lot of teachers time Teachers can still be involved but they don't have to have this huge demand on their time to get all that together and it's just we need to make sure our teachers are first and foremost focused on being effective classroom teachers Mm. and remove as many tasks that are not designed for them as we can if you don't need to be you know university graduate qualified trained in education to do it then it's probably going to be cheaper to pay someone else to do it
0: what are the final words you like to tell people as your last kind of like, you need to get the book. Like this is what they're going to get out of it. Thirteenth of November, it's out on Amazon. What's the last kind of thing you'd like to say to promote your book?
1: Look, I think that the book can it can actually change people's lives. I think that's that's the main thing. I think if, if you read the book and you apply the stuff in it, it can transform your life, and you can actually you know, the, the title of the book work less, teach more. But the the real title is the subtitle, right? It's the how to be an effective teacher and live a life you love. You know, we want to be effective. We want to be having that impact with our students, but we deserve, everyone deserves to enjoy the life that they're living at the moment. And I want teachers to read the book and to get that. I want them to the time they're finished. And like at this point, it's going to come out on Tuesday, right? If you buy it on Amazon and you read it over the holidays, even you can be well set and prepared. For your next year at school, mm. having gone through a lot of processes that are in that book, and you may well have a, and I, I hope they do. If you if you read it, you have a transformed life next year because you've read it and you've applied it. I want you to have you know that time with your kids. I want you to have the enjoyable nature of teaching because I think teaching is very enjoyable. I think every teacher knows that. That's why mm-hmm. they are still there, even with. Yeah everything else that's going on there are so many things in there that are really rewarding and I, I would love to see that this just impact teachers to the point where they are enjoying teaching they're effective and they're enjoying life outside of school and they then have this longevity to them where they're in this as a career for of long haul and then your impact on students is huge it's you know it becomes multi-generational uh as you because you can you can teach for 50 years you know yeah. <laughs> it's not a physically demanding it's definitely mentally demanding but physically you, you can last as a teacher quite a long time and my hope is that my what i want people to do is to buy it read it and have a transformed life as a result
0: thank you so much i want also to say that you have the effective teacher podcast that people can be listening to right now there's so many episodes on that as well what's your website again
1: It's teacherspd.net
0: net i'll have that in the show notes but thank you so much for coming on i'm so excited to be a part of promoting this book i'm really really excited for you
1: thank you so much Lou. i really appreciate it